1: What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardawar. I'm
0: Reviews Editor Shirtlin Lo.
1: And today, it's all about the Surface Duo, baby. Oh, Surface yeah. Duo. I've been waiting nearly a year to talk more about this and <laughs> see more about it. So we've got a lot of details from Microsoft, and it's coming soon. You can pre-order it right now for $13.99. Jeez. So that's very exciting. Jeez, I know. Shirtlin's going to be talking about the Samsung Galaxy Watch 3?
0: Yes. It's a very yes, it's the second Galaxy Watch proper, but it is named the Galaxy Watch 3. We'll get into that
1: later on. When you when you say Galaxy Watch 3, just add a question mark to the end (laughs) of that because it's like, somebody's still making Android smartwatches, huh?
0: Wow. I don't know. Wow. Wow. Wow.
1: And we'll be talking about a couple other things. I've got some news from Intel, some of the new details on their Tiger Lake chips and their overall architecture. A lot of fun topics this week if you've been enjoying the show please subscribe to the Engadget podcast on itunes spotify or your podcatcher of choice please leave us a review on itunes you can drop us a note at podcast and gadget.com we're also recording our episodes live you could join us thursdays around 10 a.m on youtube um you can see some behind the scenes action Get and chat with drop us some during. questions for us yeah yeah so the Surface Duo is finally almost here. It's almost here. We know so when it's coming. Yes. Microsoft says, yeah, you can pre-order it now. It's gonna be available on September 10th for $13.99, which honestly is a lot sooner than I expected. They've been previously saying holiday 2020. So hmm. it's kind of rare for a device to drop earlier than we thought it would. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, I wrote about, you know, I wrote up the basic stuff that we saw from Microsoft. We saw some more hands-ons from them. We saw some software. It looks good and polished and to me looks like the most uh, interesting dual screen device I've seen so far. And Sherlyn, you had a really good take too about the software. Mm -hmm. You're thinking Microsoft and Google seem like a pretty good partnership for dual screen devices, right?
0: Oh yeah. I think it's very sexy that they've partnered up. Uh, (laughs) But I want to be clear though. It's not like we've touched this thing. We haven't gotten hands-on time with it we've seen very well i did
1: i touched it well you did earlier in october remember yeah Yeah. for like a year ago almost two minutes yeah yeah
0: but i don't think that anyone outside of microsoft and google it seems like have really touched this in Mm -hmm. the real world um so a lot of the questions or a lot of what we've seen so far is like you know pano's who's the chief product officer of Microsoft, <laughs> demonstrating mm-hmm. it during a live stream and stuff like that. Uh, Just
1: lovingly showing it off, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was a really great event that Microsoft put on too, by the way. Yeah. Very like professional and clean. But um, yeah, I'm so stoked to see this thing. Um,
1: it's also, it's out here in the real world. So one thing we learned is that Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella is walking around using one. I don't know if it's his primary device, but he's been using it. Yes. Uh, Pano says that he's using uh, the Kindle app alongside right. a note taking app because right. he is that sort of nerd yep. that takes notes immediately as he's reading. So, <laughs> I do that too. shout out to like that is some great nerdy representation. Uh, we've seen uh, Hiroshi Lockheimer. Um, pretty much head of android over at google yep. um is like was tweeting about it he put up a photo of it next to some nice sushi yep so he made some yakiniku cool. Yep. yep yeah it
0: was, it was
1: it was out there it's out there it's real let's go over the specifics because yes. we have more details. details now so here's what we know so far it has two 5.6 inch amoled screens that form an 8.1-inch display when they're folded open. So that's the you know overall size. Of course, there is a hinge right in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. So that, that is like the big thing. That is the 360-degree hinge that lets you, you know, rotate the screen all the way around. Uh, you can only be looking at one screen to use it in phone mode. You can hold it together to use it in booklet mode. Um, you can lay it flat like a tablet. Uh, you can use one screen to hold up you know, the, dev- the device as like a tent stand. So there's a lot of flexibility here, and if you've been paying attention to Engadget for the past decade, <laughs> this probably looks familiar because this reminds us a lot of these uh, Microsoft Courier project, which was this cool booklet PC design from like 2011, 2010 um, that didn't go anywhere. It was canceled, but uh-huh. it was the idea of bringing PC computing into like a you know booklet form, something you could walk around with all day and not carry around a laptop it seems like we're getting there with this and certainly with the surface Neo, that's the windows powered dual the screen device one. that Microsoft yeah. showed off. Yeah. The bigger one, that one is reportedly delayed until next year. Mm. So that is, that's interesting and probably makes sense. This is the one Microsoft is launching now and it's coming at an interesting time too, right? Cause it's coming when we just saw the galaxy Z Fold two, um, you know, this is, that's the third generation folding device from Samsung. Um, It almost seems like the Surface Duo is a little dated. How do you feel about it now, Sherlyn?
0: I think the Z Fold 2, in terms of appearance, looks a lot nicer. Um, And it has more screens, right? I mean, technically, it's the same number of screens. One that's an 8-inch in the inside that you (laughs) fold, and one on the outside that takes up the whole front of the exterior uh, side panel. And it's like 6.1 or 2 inches. And it's got like a much better camera setup than the than the uh, Duo, which we're going to oh, get we'll into a little about bit. That. Yeah. yeah. But the Duo, I will say again, is a first-gen device. And if you've listened to this show, you'll hear me and Devendra tell you this. Never buy a first-gen thing because...
1: I do normally say that. I will also say I'm I will say tempted I am to exci- pre-order yeah. this device. I am tempted yeah. <laughs> myself
0: to, to check out, like to get this and buy it for myself. Yeah. But I haven't thought of like what use case would justify it just yet. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. A little bit later. Sometimes um, you wanna
1: you wanna live on the edge. Sometimes you wanna live on the wild side and get a folding computer from Microsoft yeah. that and will if, probably <laughs> lose support in a couple of years yes. because that's how Microsoft rolls. <laughs> and if you want to, yeah. if you want to
0: support the Microsoft graveyard of dead products, go for it. And if that's, you know, <laughs> if you have the money and the patience, go for for them, it. do it. But again, this is, a you know, I did device.
1: buy, I bought one of the Microsoft kin phones, the like weird danger phones that they <laughs> made, okay. um, right before windows phone launched. So I bought it for like 30 bucks just to have this weird product in my hands. But you know, I collect all sorts of weird gadgets from Microsoft. Let's go into some specs here, too, because this is the yeah, new stuff Yeah, there's more we specs, too, yeah. Yeah, it's running, the Surface Duo is running a Snapdragon 855 processor, so not this year's 865. Yeah, or the not even like very, plus. Right, certainly not that. So they were clearly working on this since last year. Um, or at least two years, because yeah. they probably had access to that for a while. It has six gigabytes of RAM. It starts with 128 gigabytes of storage, which... I I kind of want know if that's more enough, yeah. at $1,399. So yeah, if you want 256, you have to pay an extra $100, uh, $1,500 for that device. And to me, I feel like that's a better starting point for a phone like this, where you're probably going to have a ton of content. You're probably going to be treating yep. it more like a PC. Um, interesting thing is, uh, in terms of cameras, just one 11 megapixel camera. And that is the little circle you see above the screen in the screenshots and like videos out there to use it as a rear camera, you're basically meant to fold the screen around and use it in phone mode. I am not sure how this is going to work out. Yeah. Because this is
0: this totally is a- against
1: the way cameras are going now on smartphones. It is. Yeah. It seems like a compromise to me.
0: I mean, we just this is a selfie camera that you're going to use for portrait, uh, for landscape shots Ugh, as well, that sort of yeah. thing, right? So, so I mean, yeah. most most selfie cameras are like 8 MP, 10 MP right now. So 11 MP isn't that bad. But I will say this is why I we caution against first gen products because you know if there's going to be mm-hmm. a duo two that it'll have a better camera. But for now, yeah. 11 MP.
1: And who knows? Like I haven't seen it in action. It could be it could be a rear sensor that they're using in the front. In which case, you'll actually have better. You know selfie yeah, video I, I, and it, video conferencing than a typical smartphone we, would need we don't know
0: a, yeah we would need a bit more specs i mean i would say like a lot of like even the note 20 ultra some of i mean the note 20 ultra uses a 108 mp sensor but some of the like secondary supporting <laughs> cameras are like 12 megapixels a little much. A and little the pixel much. 4 also 12 megapixels uh-huh.
1: yeah. uh yeah we also like you were saying it's the thinnest surface device mm-hmm. when it's opened up it's 4.8 millimeters thin Uh, it's using a battery that's spread across both sides of the device it's only around like 3500 milliamps so like not that not that big yeah especially for two screens microsoft yeah especially for two screens microsoft claims all day battery life um it just looks good it feels good it weighs a little more than a half pound so Mm -hmm. slightly heavier than the iphone 11 pro max the Mm -hmm. biggest iphone you know so makes sense because there's Gorilla Glass in the back. It's all glass on the front. You've got more metal going on here. Um, th- this device is definitely a choice. You know, it's a choice like when somebody buys a note. <laughs> it's like I want a big phone for, you know, to scribble on and do all sorts of stuff. Oh yeah, and Speaking it supports of scribbling, the, yeah. yeah, scribbling. It supports the Surface Pen. Yes. any of the Surface Pen devices, but this is where I think things get a little troubling. Um, I'm worried about the camera. I'm also worried about the stylus support because there's nowhere to put the right, surface pen right, right now. Right. We know the the Neo has like a little nook uh in it for to kinda of hide the pen away. This one does not. Uh so you'll have to walk around with the pen. You'll have to buy it separately. The support looks good, but it doesn't look like that's something regular people are gonna be using. Yeah, it might roll with, away from you.
0: I will say, though, that I think that during uh, our press briefing, uh, one person asked a question of why you chose to go dual screen instead of folding screens, and Panos was saying that because we want to support pen. And it actually Mm -hmm. weirdly makes sense because, like, the type of screen technology you would need for a folding display might not be, you know, good enough to withstand, like, serious writing just yet like we don't serious know writing Wait, poking yeah. with a pen nib isn't the best thing for a foldable screen right now so that's part of the yeah. reason they went with a dual screen we'll
1: talk about like the overall positioning of like yeah this two screens versus a single folding screen yep last year last october right after the event i wrote that i think this is a better plan for a lot of like for microsoft and for the industry i'd rather have two screens i don't care about the hinge like it's it's more durable it's well, fine yeah there are a couple other things though what else is missing from the <laughs> yes. surface duo because i know you feel strong yeah
0: about yeah this. so i i take a lot of input from twitter land and twitter land mm. is really upset that there is no nfc on this thing so for the <laughs> and i know that to a lot of people that might not matter but if you rely on your main and if you're going to use a duo as your main phone and you use it to make contactless payments right, right. a lot payments is
1: the big thing yeah it's
0: huge and again mm-hmm. for a phone that costs fourteen hundred dollars to start uh, the other feature that a lot of people were complaining about is the lack of 5G, which I'm not that mad about, but a lot of people are upset. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: wait. This is what <laughs> I was telling people like back when the first LTE phones come out. Like, yeah, wait. You know, be upset when you see how coverage. much 5G drains right. the battery. Also, that. Like, and how badly it doesn't, you know, how it doesn't really work well on first generation devices. I'm totally fine without 5G. NFC would be very nice because I do use Apple Pay right. or whatever the Android, Google. you know, Android pay. Yes. Yeah. Google pay. Yes. Um, I do use that going around, but, I wonder what is the technical explanation there. Like, could Microsoft not fit the NFC transistor in because it's two, basically two different phones sandwiched together? I don't know.
0: Right. I wonder if they would have to position it very carefully and mm-hmm. have it like, because the, the way you use it in phone mode is the two back panels are squished together. Yeah. So you would have yeah. to put it right under the right display or the left display That's or something probably, like
1: that. That would probably be the issue, right? Like you I
0: suspect. But we don't know. Like
1: We don't know. There's a lot we don't know. Um, (laughs) I I, I can't even imagine, like, how the use case for that would be. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about broadly this versus folding phones. What do you think?
0: Hells yeah. So versus (laughs) folding phones in general, I think the hinge. So they demonstrated what Instagram looks like on the, uh, Duo. And you scroll like when it takes up to to full two screens and you're scrolling through, there's that little hinge break in the Mm -hmm. middle. And when it appears like in midway through a picture, that's very disruptive. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, it looks like they've tweaked the software to really make use of and understand the separation between the two screens. Um, and when you so-called span, that's what they're calling it, when you stretch an app across two screens in so-called span mode. Um, you know, it looks like Microsoft's first party apps anyway, are very clear of where that hinge is. So it doesn't look very weird where like half the app is laying like in the hinge. So you can't access certain like buttons or whatever. Right. It looks Mm -hmm. well thought out. And actually the software is what I wrote about. I don't know. I hope I'm not jumping the gun here, but (laughs) software is a very important part of why dual screen devices have not taken off. Right. They've been around. They've Good Lord, I mean people are already shouting out the LGB60 with the secondary screen cover yeah. um, it's that's an obvious mm. like recent comparison there's also been and, and there's a phone there's also been the ZTE axon M which is fairly recent and then if you go all the way back into smartphone <laughs> history, there's the Kyocera <laughs> head hedge, the Kyocera edge and the Samsung Hennessy. We've been trying to do this for a while <laughs> with Android phones and it's never really succeeded so I'm very curious to see what you know this collaboration between microsoft and android would look like i think Mm -hmm. so far from what we've seen uh it looks looks, yeah it looks nice um
1: software is the key and here's the thing too like one reason i don't like go main on android is that i am constantly disappointed by a lot of android software and certainly by what a lot of third parties bring into android mm -hmm. and this implementation looks good it looks like and microsoft says that they've built some dual screen APIs that yep. will be a part of the Android spec. So yep. other companies can come in and use it. You don't have to make a surface device yep. to use this hardware or to use the software. Um, it's very well thought out. And to me, it seems like it's replicating the idea of having two separate PC screens to you know, a dual monitor setup, which I've had for years. Um, I've really grown used to that. And it really yeah. helps with multitasking. And that's the idea. It's like windowing. Uh, Pano said, I believe in windows. I believe in windowing which first of all sure great quote but also something you'd expect a microsoft person yes. to say but that is the idea like you can actually separate it in your mind okay put spotify in on one side put google maps in the other while i research places to eat or something you can actually multitask in a way you cannot in any smartphone right now and i think even in a folding phone like i don't i don't like the way they juggle apps side by side i don't think it's very seamless but
0: it's and that's, they're also so
1: much more expensive to get that privilege <laughs> of a folding phone. Yeah,
0: I think there are benefits to folding phones. I think that ultimately the goal with folding phones isn't to make like you know such fancy like uh, uh formats happen, it's more like to fold down something that used to be big and make it like compact and smaller. I sure, think, sure. Um, and I do think that dual screens have less chance of be- being broken the way a dual uh, folding screen can. Uh, I will say though, like some of the software that was interesting that uh, Microsoft introduced with the duo, uh, this idea of an app group where you tie two apps together. Like for example, you want to go on a social media binge and you put Instagram, you, you app group Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. So whenever Just you like tap that like a shortcut button, in your launcher. Yeah. To yeah. launch both of them at the same time, mm-hmm. which, you know, I haven't really seen, I've, I've Tried out a lot of dual screen phones. I haven't seen this yet, um, but a lot of it is just refined takes on existing features that actually have already showed up on foldable uh-huh. phones as Which well. Which is, by the
1: way, that is Apple's move. That is what Apple tends to do when it takes Refin- features from yes. Android or Steel other places and ideas refines them. So
0: and refines them. Um, that's
1: interesting. Yeah. The,
0: yeah. I mean, the <laughs> I, I prepared this line to say to you, uh, Dev, uh-huh. during this show because I like to come up with like funny things to surprise you. I have a fake riddle for you. Oh, Answer boy. this question: Why did Steve Ballmer <laughs> say "developers, developers, developers"?
1: Because it's about the apps, 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 baby.
0: Damn, you're so close. I was gonna say it's about the software, software, software. But yes, it's it's about. I, mean, I
1: was apps, I apps. I feel apps. like my version of Yours this is, is better. A bit better. Stop. Come on, because you just actually, did it, Apple. call. You
0: just took my story. <laughs> you just took my idea and you refined it.
1: During our call, Panos, like, somebody was like, why did you choose Android yes. for this rather than Windows? And Panos was one word response,
0: apps. apps. He just kept apps. repeating it. All he said was apps.
1: And then that's all he said for the rest of the call. He just repeated apps. <laughs> apps he broke.
0: Apps. Yeah. No, he did go on yeah. to say mobile apps. And he did go on to say yeah. that having access to the Play Store is very important for a device sure. like this. And in that article that I wrote about why this software gives me hope, I think it's smart of uh, Microsoft to work with Android on this because they need to mm-hmm. position the Duo you know, as something running Android so that they can reach a wider audience rather than position it as like, a, oh, these are like Microsoft apps and these are like, you can right. get OneNote Excel. Or the or-
1: Surface phone people because, have been waiting for. Yes, right, but yeah. because
0: then you only, you risk making this a business first product. Like people would think of sure. this as like, sure an office productivity machine when really it should be something you can use in the kitchen at home, reading a book on your couch, that sort of thing.
1: And also it's four or five years since Microsoft officially killed Windows Phone. I think one of the smartest (laughs) things Satya (laughs) Nadella did since joining up is basically like, look at Windows Phone and be like, none of this is working. And like, since he came on, like slowly just like stopped a lot of that. And Microsoft has gone with a more broad strategy. Bringing apps to Android, bringing apps to iOS, it doesn't matter where you use Windows app or yeah. Microsoft apps because you're still part of the service. So yeah. to me, I feel like that is the smarter move for them. This is just like, this is their first phone. It, it is a phone. Yes. Even though yes. a lot of people seem mad about that in the comments. <laughs> it is a thing you buy with a SIM card, with SIM card that it makes can make calls. calls on a There's mobile a, network. It's yeah. a phone um the one th- yeah this it's interesting for that reason
0: yeah they really and i think that that's what was smart too is they made this very easy for developers a lot of the new interface tweaks that they introduced like having a link open up in a different window screen right, right when right. when it senses that that screen is empty those are going to so be if you're, part you're of you're the reading
1: interface. like your text messages right, right. or your email someone says the link, link won't replace what you're reading it Heads to the up. other thing. Right. And and only is if cool. that screen's okay.
0: empty. So it and, and Panos did say like you don't have to do anything extra on the developer end to make use of these basic uh new features and these are mm-hmm. all built into the Android code base, he said. So this brings me hope for like other sure. dual screens, right? Other Dell was yeah. working on a dual screen device they showed us some funny. prototypes.
1: Samsung's future dual screens will be helped by Microsoft's code I was going to say most so likely, Samsung's most likely, folding yeah. screens
0: are also going to be able to use this folding dual mm-hmm. folding screen devices like the Z Fold 2 since it's built into the Android code base will be able to mm-hmm. make use of these features but they have to like work on figuring out how to understand right. when the screen is folded and when it's not
1: I think a really cool thing too is if a developer wants to go that extra mile and create a, an app that is custom tuned for the duo they can do that like Amazon's Kindle app actually has like a booklet mode and when you turn the page, you see the page fold in like a really nice, simple way it folds across. So that little effort also gives you a much better experience. I'm excited about this because honestly I have not been excited about smartphones (laughs) for a while. Like maybe not until 5g is really a big thing, but hardware wise, spec wise, they've been kind of boring lately. Even as we pour in more cameras and everything, so this to me is a huge leap. Let's talk about the price because I feel like that is the sticking point yep. for a lot of people. Yep, thirteen ninety nine for a one hundred twenty eight gigabyte storage phone. Thoughts?
0: A lot of people were saying it's pandemic time. Why are you? And I get it. <laughs> but to de- the vendor, you brought this up earlier too. You said that uh, you know this phone has been in the works for a year. People didn't think that a pandemic would be several happening. Several
1: years, yeah. For yeah. several
0: years, uh, I mean, it's been announced a year ago. So we at least publicly mm-hmm. know of it for a year now. So. For that price, I'm surprised because, like, if you consider that the Galaxy Fold was like twenty six hundred dollars ish or twenty four hundred dollars, and then the Z Flip is thirteen eighty, this is a bigger mm-hmm. device than the Z Flip, um, and for it to come so close to the Z Flip in terms of price is like incredible. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not a folding screen, and that in mm-hmm. itself is an expensive component.
1: I, I think, in context, it is. It's a good price, also because. Apple started pushing the iPhone past $1,000, and then Samsung did it with their flagship like, phone. Yeah. So, like, we're used to very big phones, you know, going well past 1200 bucks now. yeah. You're getting more with there this are... compared to a lot of other premium devices.
0: Other people do have concerns that for that price, mm-hmm. though, you're getting, like, years-old technology. Like we said, like, the Snapdragon sure, 855 sure. is an old processor. Six gigs of RAM isn't the most for two screens. So, there, there's a trade-off there, but... I think you for that money, you pay you're paying for what you get right because like
1: you're paying for the form factor and everything
0: you're yeah. mostly for the form factor. so and that doesn't include the surface <laughs> pen, does it
1: does not include the surface pen. That's gonna be another one hundred bucks or so. yeah, so that's the thing. but I, I think as we come away with it, the price is big. Um, you know, it's, a, it's an expensive phone, but I'm also, you know, I'm doing the iPhone upgrade program. So I'm slowly right. paying off, you know, an iPhone 11 Pro right now, too. Right. Not, that's 1200 bucks basically. Yeah. So yeah. I think for a lot of people, the price isn't that different. The question is if it'll be worth it. I think it's cool enough, but I, I still see it as just an experiment.
0: It, it sounds like, uh, and you mentioned the equipment installment plan that you were just talking mm-hmm. about. This will be carrier supported, right? Like we can buy it in the U.S. on...
1: It's in AT&T stores um, mm-hmm. and on at and t site. So you can pre-order it there. Okay. Uh, Microsoft did say you can bring an unlocked phone because you can also buy it from the Microsoft store. Mm. You can bring it to uh, t mobile Verizon and AT&T as well. So it's not going to be, you know, sold in the other carrier stores, but it's pretty flexible.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, nice. I mean, it's, it's a little like bit more iPhone, work,
1: but, yeah. but
0: it's, it's, it, it works if you really want to. And if you're really yeah. spending that money, you already, like, prepared to put in the work, it seems. My like.
1: recommendation for this, by the way, is people, whenever you can, buy an unlocked phone. It will, first of all, once we can actually leave where we're trapped... <laughs> It it is very nice to have a phone that can work in other countries, but also you just have so much more flexibility too. So unlocked all the way. Uh, I think buying it from the Microsoft store would probably make the most sense for a lot of people. Do an installment and plan. And yeah, you have do to. an installment yeah.
0: plan if they they offer it. There's a lot of other concerns too about this device, right? We were talking about. Mm-hmm. The price, Uh, some people pointed out that in a lot of the pictures and some of my friends also noticed that uh, when people are using the Duo, it seems like there's some kind of rugged case or some kind of plastic Mm -hmm. case around it. Um, And people are concerned that this means the device is not durable. It can't take a a beating. What do you think of?
1: Uh, No phone is is durable. (laughs) Like no phone can take a beating. I think what's interesting is we were looking at some photos and yeah, there's this weird like white case, like a bumper case around it. It seems like it comes in the box. So Mm -hmm. Instead of being worried about, like, the case, uh, the phone not being durable, which I want a case on every single device, I think it's more interesting that Microsoft actually maybe putting it. this in the box and includes it. We've seen some photos. Uh, Hiroshi Lockheimer's photo has the case, and it looks like it's like a bumper. It doesn't cover everything, but yeah. still, it looks good. It looks like it's not adding much thickness or, you know, not taking away from the style much. Uh, I, I want to get my hands on it. We will hopefully be getting some, you know, a unit to review soon. And Sherlyn has already called Dibs. Wow. Uh, but yeah, Sherlyn has called Dibs. But as No, soon we work together
0: <laughs> on this. Devendra, we yeah. made the decision together. I will yap it. <laughs> no, a liar. I
1: remember Sherlyn calling Dibs and just saying, it's mine. Nope, nope. Um, <laughs> wow,
0: you're a total liar. I have the receipts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are definitely going to be covering this. Like, there's going to be a review. There's going to be other ways of covering it because i want to look at it from yeah. the perspective of like maybe a mini pc maybe as a surface device so let us know what are your thoughts um you know podcastinggadget.com let us know how you want us to look at these devices what are your questions and how do you think we should be covering it okay enough dual screen devices trillin <laughs> tell me about one screen that is strapped <laughs> to your wrist I, one yeah tiny 1.2 one inch
0: tiny screen, screen strapped to my wrist this thing has been th- both the pain and the love of my life and the pain of my experience the last week or so it's a <laughs> galaxy watch three i've been working on my full review for the last week since i received it on thursday or so and i a lot of people you know think or like the Apple Watch is the best watch for the iPhone users. Sure, but what about an sure. Android watch, right? And a lot of people are disappointed in Wear OS. Wear OS is a very limited OS. Um, and I will say that like Google seems to be working on that and Fitbit's the acquisition of Fitbit could bring about some interesting things. But right now, the most powerful OS for an Android phone in terms of the smartwatch experience is Tizen. I mean, I, I can't say anything else. Everyone I've spoken to who covers wearables agrees with me on this. Tizen is the best Android Watch OS and, and Tizen, is,
1: Tizen Samsung's is Samsung's
0: OS that runs software. on the yeah. Galaxy Watch 3. So what's new about the Galaxy Watch 3? Some things like the ECG features, is very similar to what the Apple Watch Series 4 or 5 started. Um, there are some new exercise features, some new health tracking features. Uh, so I wasn't able to test ECG because mm-hmm. that's only just gotten FDA approval. They weren't able to roll it out yet. And, you know, it's only available elsewhere in Korea. Nowhere else really has it yet because they need regulatory approval. Um, but I was able to get a software update that enables some of the features like blood oxygen tracking and VO2 max readings. So it's it's it was a struggle kind of to review this thing because I have to decide, like, what features are consumers going right. to get? Because these things are already on sale. So I need to mm-hmm. test the feature or the watch as it is right now, as you're going to mm-hmm. buy it right now, right? So,
1: right. well, can you tell me, like, Sherlyn, what as a watch, come mm-hmm. on, it's something you wear in your wrist. It's yes. supposed to feel good. I like the look of this thing from the top, <laughs> like from far away. I think from the side, I, I had gotten, <laughs> I think, the Galaxy Watch 2 for my wife a couple of years ago. That was a chunky boy. This also looks very chunky. It is. On the side, like, it, there's a big pod on your wrist. It's yeah. not like a sleek watch or anything
0: it is chunkier than say the apple watch it's chunkier than the fitbit uh-huh. versa but it is smaller than the original galaxy watch which let's let's again play that game
1: <laughs> i mean like, that's progress for samsung but yeah. still yeah in the market it is the chunky watch
0: yes and i've made i have made this point <laughs> several times but the galaxy watch 3 is a bad name because it's only the second galaxy watch and the
1: fourth right, galaxy right. watch
0: active if you include the actives um
1: it's not the galaxy gear which they yeah let's ignore those
0: the gear s3 those we uh, forget that those existed samsung's made a lot of smartwatches, okay but they make this a guy lot of crap yeah this guy the, <laughs> the the galaxy and the gear series the ones with the spinning bezel they've traditionally been a bit chunkier they've been a bit more oversized mm-hmm. they have that so-called you know oversized aesthetic that people like uh the spinning bezel is smaller and lighter than before, which I like. Um, I was concerned because when our uh, Mo- senior editor for mobile, Chris Velasco, did his hands-on, he noticed that the spinning bezel just didn't like clunk into place as definitively mm. as before. So it's not like a big chunk or... Like, it's not a big gear wheel, but it still spins and it still clicks into place quite nicely. And I like it. I think it's easy to use still. And this remains... Both Chris and I agree. This remains the best way to interact with a smartwatch still to date. It makes swizzing through widgets on the watch so easy. And, you know, when you're deciding between this and a Galaxy Watch active, for example, the bezel is the biggest difference. And other features like Mm -hmm. the ECG that are coming are also some of the differences you would be paying that extra money for. Speaking of, this thing Mm -hmm. costs $400 Uh... to start. The LTE model is going to cost you more. That's the same price as the Apple Watch Series 5 right now. Um, which sometimes goes on sale for less, but it is, that's why I have to compare it with the, uh, the Apple watch. Is there an
1: always on screen?
0: Yes. So you can turn that on and it will obviously affect battery life, but so far Mm -hmm. I'm getting about consistently two days of battery life with like general use plus workout tracking, um, and like making calls on the watch, which is something you can do by the way. The other (laughs) new thing (laughs) I want to talk uh, about two of like my specific review testing experiences. One is the uh, fall detection, because like the Apple Watch Series 4 or 5, Samsung introduced fall, like, tr- Samsung's calling it trip, trip detection. detection. Yes, but it's actually fa- falling, when you fall in. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure you can imagine, dear listener, this is fun to test, right? It basically involves me trying to fall over and over again, I and mean, it feels so bad for the Apple Watch reviewers two years ago. Um, and no, not once did I trip the sensor. Uh, first you had to go into your settings to turn it on, mm-hmm. note in, you know, send an SOS contact or a message when you fall. And then I was like, I laid out my yoga mat because I was like, I'm not going to fall on my floor. <laughs> I just kept, you know, I, I did actually fall a couple of times because one of the workouts that I was trying to do was very, um, involved a lot of like twisting in midair, but it didn't, it didn't trip it. So I, I think part of that reason it didn't trip the sensor is because I was falling too fake. <laughs> too deliberate with my falling or i wasn't falling at great enough
1: stage falling like come on yeah give me that oscar yourself on your bed like a child just like i
0: know i know do
1: like a big slam uh i'm very sorry we could not test this in person because (laughs) as i said last episode it would be really fun to just trip shirlin for work
0: i mean it would have been fun if we weren't all stuck at home because that would (laughs) yeah it would be a lot of fun but uh you know there's Another new feature that we still can't test yet is blood pressure monitoring, and that's because mm-hmm. it's going to be available in Korea because they've got regulatory approval there. But right here, we don't have a timeline yet on whether or not the FDA is going to approve it. So I'm not going to be able to test it on my review unit just because it's also not going to be available for those people who buy it now right, and today. Right. Um, is this it does something out, you think we'll
1: people be. should buy? Like, I, that's this the watch? thing. Like. This watch, Android smartwatches in general, I feel like (laughs) Google has been disappointing in this market, so it really is up to Samsung to kind of save it. They're so, trying, but they're basically just copying Apple at this let's point. Not, right? Let's not
0: conflate the two. I think an Android smartwatch right. is a very different thing. When I think Android smartwatch, I think a smartwatch that Android phone users right. can use.
1: Well, I'm, I'm just talking about smartwatches for Android phones. Right. Because this, this is only Android, right? You can't use yeah. this on Android. Well, you could, but you, so no, you good. can
0: use it with iOS. It's just like will be a lot, um, the functions mm. will be a lot less uh integrated i guess you can't reply and to why would you? Directly and stuff yeah. like that. yeah and also mm-hmm. if you have the I- iphone you might as well get an apple watch for the same price now in the land of watches for android phones there's a lot of options you've got the galaxy watches you've got the galaxy watch active that samsung also makes then you got to talk about mm-hmm. the fitbits of the world which also can be used by iphone you can talk about the garmin smartwatches then you got the wear os watches which those are the ones that I think you are right to feel a little, you know, disappointed in, right? Because they just mm-hmm. haven't done a lot to the OS to improve it. They've added some things here and there again, but they're not very comprehensive in terms of health tracking. They don't do a lot. I mean, they're good for like syncing with your phone because Google's good at that stuff, but that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, should someone buy this watch or any other smartwatch for an Android phone? I think some people like who really want to be able to leave their phone uh on their desk while they roam around their house or office. Those people will benefit from something like that. People who are really into tracking their health and workouts will also benefit from a smartwatch or a fitness tracker, um, like the Fitbits uh, series. But the Wear OS watches, I'm finding a hard time trying to think of the person that would enjoy a Wear OS watch, right? right. I've used them, and I've really liked them for a while, but that was like a year or two ago, and now everyone else has progressed, right? That was fitbit even does better sometimes than a wear os watch now so i don't even and you know we know google is in talks to buy fitbit and w- i would love to see what comes out of that but a wear os watch is not as great a buy as a tizen or a galaxy watch so that's i think where i stand on this it right. is kind of expensive but this is also the apple watch equivalent right the galaxy watch 3 is the apple watch equivalent in the land of android
1: yeah. honestly i'm to, like I'm an iPhone user and I have a Apple Watch Series 4 and I barely use that thing, especially now that we're trapped at home, right? If I go for a run, I'll I'll pull it out, but it's not something I walk around with all day. So I do think for a lot of people, even like the tech heads, like- Oh, me, today like, for sure, just, yeah. Just wait, just like we're still waiting for that yeah. dream James Bond watch. <laughs> I think the, the Series 4 is cool. It is like sleeker and, you know, then the- Battery life Apple though, Apple Watch battery, battery, battery life, life
0: is not good. Apple Watch fine. battery like, life I is just a day.
1: I would charge every day like everybody else. Series 5 seems cool. I am waiting for like a big smartwatch revolution, but I also can understand why a lot of these companies gave up because this market is just kind of dead. Aside from the Apple Watch and Fitbit, yeah, maybe a few Garmin things. Like people want these things for fitness, not really the... To- have on all the time
0: i I like have i've I've liked having it on all the time because one thing the galaxy watch 3 has done that's impressed me so far is the idle reminders like when you set still for like an hour or remind you to have a move Mm -hmm. but and every watch does a version of this but the galaxy watch goes a step further it will suggest some stretching exercises for example and give you Mm -hmm. on-screen diagrams as to how to do them so one of the things you can do is a torso twist so it shows you stretch your hands forward twist around whatever as you do those actions they'll be like do five reps of this right as you do it there's smart enough to track every single rep and they've been very accurate every single time I've done this and as a lot of times because I sit still for a lot um <laughs> but that's nice to have on my watch to just remind me to not let the hours sure, go sure, by sure. and not do anything um, it's useful
1: in, in our dystopian future where we do not have human contact with other people <laughs> it is helpful to have like something to say hey eat hey move yeah don't yeah. forget to breathe
0: but you're Please right. Shower. You're right that in this environment, as we're all stuck at home, having a watch on our wrist is less mm-hmm. important, and people shouldn't. If you're only thinking of buying a smartwatch now, maybe hold right, off right. till next year because we're still going to be at home, and you have your clock in front sure. of
1: you. What about um, sleep tracking? That was, was something you had mentioned before. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's another thing that I hated testing, but I love seeing the <laughs> result off. I, as a person, do not enjoy wearing a watch to bed. I really hate right. it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this
0: thing we said is chunkier than most watches. <laughs> And so I perfect. had the worst night's sleep of my life when I was trying to test this thing. <laughs> sleep tracking. I swear to God. Were
1: you um what's was me- it just the discomfort or just like sleeping with something different, I guess? Yeah, yeah, it's
0: it's it's a mix of both. It wasn't so mm-hmm. much a discomfort, it was more like my own personal like inability to like sleep with something sure. strapped on my wrist i felt like i was in handcuffs but i will say samsung has updated the sleep tracking this time around to include mm-hmm. uh heart rate info as well as accelerometer data to give you insight into what sleep zones you're entering this is something fitbit has done for a while but garmin and apple don't seem to have a version in fact Apple's sleep tracking isn't even rolled out live it's still <laughs> in the WatchOS 7 beta and it's pretty basic so now samsung's got this and i they- I had the worst night's sleep of my life. I was drifting in and out of sleep. I didn't really get any restful sleep at all. And I was woken mm-hmm. up at 6.30 a.m. by a delivery person at my door when I was finally <laughs> getting some deep sleep after like waking up at 5.30 a.m. So anyhow,
1: I was... Perfect day. Yep. Yeah, great night.
0: I was very upset. But when I woke up in the morning, I was like... I. Hey, bet the watch didn't even capture any of this and i looked at the watch and it captured every single thing like it showed that i only had
1: did it just say hey girl are you okay
0: in the morning <laughs> yo how no, you doing i tried to work out after they were like are you sure you're feeling up to this i was like no <laughs>
1: Maybe we should just lay down.
0: (laughs) But I will say the info was very good, right? On the watch face itself, Mm -hmm. I could see that I had done like four cycles and three of them (laughs) were above the deep sleep line. So I was only in live sleep and REM sleep. And then as... You know, mm. co- it really corresponds to my experience. Around five thirty, I woke up uh-huh. and I saw the sun was about to rise. I tried to go back to sleep and had finally had restful sleep. It showed Aww. that I was in deep sleep around that time before the delivery person woke me up. So this is—it was surprisingly accurate to me. It's, something. Fitbit, it's yeah. something. it's. Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in tracking your sleep like that. This is really good data to have, but I don't know that a lot of people want something as in depth as this. So it really depends. I I
1: do. uh, Let me just say, I feel like we've gone backwards a little. Like, (laughs) I remember when, with the first round of fitness trackers and everything, when Fitbit had just came out and Jawbone, Jawbone, a company I loved, like, just their products were so, you know, interesting and weird and they flow too close to the sun. Yeah. They could not survive um, because they were the company making all the Bluetooth speakers people wanted yep. job on up was my yep. favorite fitness jawbone, tracker just because yep. of the way it felt, um, that had really great sleep tracking and it was so thin and light and like easy to wear that. Yeah. I didn't really mind taking it to bed and yes. getting that data. I, There's- I hope the smartwatches get there. There's
0: a lot of devices out there that can do that too, right? Withings makes devices like that. We used to go like Jabra devices. But here's the thing. The challenge with making a smartwatch really good is because you have to make components so small they fit into a thing that's this size, like 44 millimeters, Mm -hmm. 41 millimeters, 1.2 inch screen. It's already so difficult to get a good battery in there. They can't Uh really do much else with it. So that's a challenge. Yeah. And let's, let's, I mean, hopefully we'll see. The Galaxy Watch 3 has a lot of other improvements I can't get into at length because <laughs> we don't want to do a 13-hour podcast. But the review is going to be live uh, tomorrow, and which is today by the time the podcast listeners mm. get this episode on Spotify and <laughs> all our other podcast platforms. So go to the website to check out my in-depth thoughts. We'll have pictures, we'll have screenshots, we'll have videos. You can see this thing for yourself. It'll be great.
1: Let's move on to what we're working on and some other news happening this week. I wrote up a story that really broke my heart. The creators oh. of Avatar: <laughs> The Last Airbender have left the Netflix live-action show. Sherlyn, I don't think you understand.
0: No, no, what this means. <laughs> I, was, I was laughing because I was like, "Wait, I think DaVinci has <laughs> been working on another thing." Intel. I've been Why working on
1: a whole bunch of things, but yeah. I'm to let's talk about this because yeah. this hits my heart more I than know. Intel. I know, uh, but yeah. Damn it, Michael DiMartino and Brian Konitzko—I I don't even know how to pronounce his name—but they created Avatar, one of the best shows mm-hmm. ever made. It has been a huge hit on Netflix since it has been there. Mm-hmm. There was a live-action movie, <laughs> what 2010? We will not talk about that. I 2009? saw that's the only thing I've, I've seen 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 that? in the Avatar. Oh franchise. my god, we will not talk about that ever again. Um, yeah. I have a, I have a funny story about that too because uh, man, I met. I met freaking M. Night Shyamalan the day after I saw that terrible movie. And he was a nice guy. Like I remember like he was, was it iPhone four or something by that point? But he like grabbed it out of my hand and he was just like, Hey, this is really cool. Look at how far we've come tech wise. (laughs) So M. Night Shyamalan, he is a gadget guy. Oh, He, he is a tech bro, but did not make a good avatar movie. Anyway, I was really hoping that this would be a chance to bring this series into live action somehow but according to Michael Martino, like they just could not creatively, you know, connect with whatever Netflix was doing, which, first of all, it makes me really sad. Uh, he gave a really great um, passive aggressive uh, knock at this. Oh, it's boy. like, <laughs> hey, it has the potential to be good. I don't know. Oh. But wow. the fact that he's leaving and the other creators leaving, not a good sign. Um, I'm worried. I'm rewatching The Legend of Korra right now, actually, for another podcast. And mm. I love this universe so much. Avatar is so good. Just watch the show, Sherlyn. Like, it will help you survive the pandemic. Mm, um, yeah, this God, is very sad. So what are you working on? Uh, you have a lot of worse <laughs> things to watch. But what are you working on?
0: I um So finally sort of peeking out of Embargo Land for a little bit. But there's more on the horizon that's coming in this interim i'm setting up interviews for a topic uh, a story on a topic that i have been trying to pursue lately i don't want to give it away just yet exactly the specifics because <laughs> i don't want to be scooped you know i always like have these great ideas for stories and then someone else does it and i can't do it anymore um but then i listen
1: that's our lives that's <laughs> that how is it our works lives. yeah
0: Uh, I am excited about this topic. It's something that's very important, I think. But I will say that the first week of September looks like it's going to be hellish. And we're already in the middle of August, so kind of looking towards that, there's a lot of the prep work that comes with that coming up. There's, I mean, we already know the Galaxy Z Fold 2. More info day is September 1st. We know the Surface Duo goes... (laughs) launches or arrives September yeah. 10th. And then we've also got Modo's doing a new photo. Well, phone also
1: you're mentioning all these things, iPhone time, like that is and iPhone, iPhone time. time. Yeah. We didn't talk about this during the surface thing, but September 10th is a very key date because that is the when Sur- last year's iPhone event was So yeah. clearly Microsoft is just saying, Hey, you're going to be excited. You want to be excited about a phone? Forget the iPhone. Check yeah. out this dual screen. Hey, look who's thing. not innovating
0: yeah. in dual and foldable screens. I don't know. I think that's what they might be saying, but I I mean, again, we will be I all hands on I would love like that. a
1: passive aggressive like announcement. It's like, "Hey, um, <laughs> hey Apple, look at this. We'll see this in 5 years from you, right? You'll do this in 5 <laughs> years and call funny. it your own invention." I yeah. also
0: love that Google and Microsoft teamed up and Apple's probably not going to <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But I'm, I mean, that's that's all coming up and lots of stuff in the interim. I always get news out of nowhere during the week. You all can see all of that on Engadget.com. Dev, you've been working hard too.
1: Uh, a bunch of things. Uh, I wrote up, I was up till 3 a.m. last night Jeez. writing up this news about Intel's latest chip architecture, Woo. baby. Let me, how do you feel about FinFET? shrillin
0: look when they said it I, finfet I <laughs> finfet very transistor technology
1: yes. very sexy um, so this is it's, it's kind of a wonky thing but finfet is the sort of like semi 3d um design that intel and a lot of other companies have been using over the past few years to create transistors that have like a little more room um they actually look like Fins. Uh, if you like scale down microscopically, mm. the way these things look is that they have these fins to create extra data channels, basically to make transistors faster, to help them be more efficient. Uh, they've optimized their process. So now they have something called super fin, <laughs> super fin transistors. Um, and this technology is going to be in their upcoming uh, Tiger Lake chips. And it's a lot of wonky stuff. But the the big takeaway is that Intel is saying it's Tiger Lake uh, chips, which we are waiting for and are going to be headed to laptops later this year. They're going to be like faster, much, much faster than last year's chips. Uh, the, the super fintech, their refines, um, you know, was it 10 nanometer technology, um, their architecture, it's going to be a lot better. So it'll it'll be faster at lower voltages, which is great. Um, if you look at our story uh, about Superfin on the site. I, there's like a great mm. graph of just like what Sunny Cove, the previous Intel core, uh, kind of accomplished, and what Willow Cove, the new CPU core that's inside of Tiger Lake. So bear with me now. Sun, <laughs> you know, Willow Cove, the new core, Willow Cove has superfin transistors. It's going to be in the Tiger Lake chips. That is where we're headed. All of that is to say, these chips are going to be really fast. They're going yeah. to have higher clock speeds at lower voltages, which is great for battery life. And at higher voltages, much higher clock speeds in general. So, these so good chips. good burst
0: performance.
1: Good burst, but good, like, good all around mm-hmm. performance, too. So, these chips are going to be really fast. This is really interesting, too, because Intel just announced that they're delaying their seven nanometer chips for a while, until at least 2022. Mm-hmm. So that that was a big knock for Intel. AMD is already releasing seven nanometer products. It does feel like Intel is behind, but at least in this respect, when it comes to clock speed and you know things that may matter more to gamers and performance enthusiasts, like this is a good step for Intel. AMD currently has the lead on uh, multi-threading. You know, using multiple cores well and efficiently. <laughs> yeah, but that's not. Actually, that doesn't really matter for a lot of gamers. What matters more is raw co- clock speed because then you yes. uh, that that matters for like your FPS and everything. So mm-hmm. hey, this is all interesting. Uh, we also got some new details on Intel's Xe graphics, and this is the discrete graphics technology Intel's working on that is their own, right? So it's basically. Them trying to bring the level of graphics AMD is already bringing into Mm -hmm. its laptops and desktops with the Radeon uh, Mm -hmm. stuff. You know, AMD is very lucky in that it produces both processors, normal processors and graphics and can kind of tie those things together. That is a big advantage for them, you know, for a while now. So Intel is trying to, you know, lead on that. We know that the Xe graphics in Tiger Lake are going to be pretty fast. Um, I saw this demoed back at CES in both an ultra portable and like a chunkier mid-range laptop. And I was able to play some games in 1080p with low graphics. So that's pretty good for, you know, technically integrated graphics. It's dedicated graphics that is built into the chip. So Mm. similar to the Ryzen processors right now. But you know, last year we were talking about Ice Lake and how Intel's integrated graphics have gotten a lot better. Now it's like even a bigger step forward the other thing we learned is that the Xe graphics for gamers, the one that's going to be in an actual video card, is going to be arriving next year, according to Intel. It's going to have ray tracing. It's going to compete, cool. hopefully, with what AMD and NVIDIA are currently producing. I I don't know. I'm yeah. holding. I'm not holding <laughs> my breath for that. Like good luck. <laughs> good luck. This is a whole new category for you that yeah. you have not been in no for a very experience. long time.
0: Yeah, not good. Like a lot of good experience on that. Front, There's a front lot
1: front of on. drama behind this too because um, the Intel did bring over Raja Koduri as SVP, um, stolen to kind from... of lead Tiger, like stolen from AMD. He was the guy who. Uh, I saw him at Computex like uh, several years ago, but he was the guy who like released the, um, who designed the, uh, I believe the RX 480, mm. um, wh- one of the good like mid-range AMD cards that really brought them back and helped them compete with graphics compared to whatever NVIDIA is doing now. So, this is all wonky chip stuff, but basically, <laughs> Tiger Lake chips I think are going to be really interesting. I'm excited to see like how these things are actually done. Yeah. Uh you know. Yep how they're actually handled um yeah yeah. and one more thing we're going to mention too uh kind of related to all this we did learn we got some xbox series x news and microsoft nats, hey it's coming in november we don't have a clear ship date it's coming in november has thousands of games that'll be playable on it that seems like good news right no no it actually seems like they're (laughs) deflecting the fact that halo infinite or halo infinity yeah wow is delayed until 2021 so delayed until next year that was supposed to be a launch game supposed to be like a very Oof. big first party title yeah not coming that's gonna be a big blow for microsoft and yeah, it's certainly it, gonna
0: will it prevent people yeah. from wanting to buy that console when it goes on sale you think
1: uh you know that's that's the weird thing because the case microsoft has been making is basically um hey you don't actually need to buy this new console you'll be able to play all our right games on Xbox one or right. pc or other things and They're trying to sell an ecosystem more than a single console, but you still need, like, those key games to sell the hardware. Um, So I think this is going to be disappointing. It may hurt them overall for this entire console generation. I'm still more excited for the Series X than the PlayStation 5, but, hey, I will end up getting both because I'm that sort of nerd.
0: (laughs) November. So don't, don't bring
1: your console wars over here. I will have both.
0: <laughs> November is yeah. interesting in my opinion timing-wise because it's, that's like really close to Black Friday. You think they'll do a launch and then do Black Friday sales or none oh, or a bundle? There or... will be
1: no Black Friday like yeah. Okay the last few console launches were not that long ago. So okay. I reviewed the Xbox One X and the PlayStation 4 Pro for Engadget. They both arrived around November. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there may be some stores doing some sort of bundles, but there Wait. are no discounts. Like this is... Yeah, I mean, they're not we don't even discount know, the
0: actual console price
1: for yeah, sure. We don't even know pricing for these devices yet. And given the hardware, like I am bracing myself for a $600 console, which is not something we've seen since the PlayStation 3. Yeah. And that was supposedly disastrous for Sony. We are hearing that Microsoft may talk about an Xbox Series S, like a slightly cheaper okay. model, okay, in the next few weeks. So who knows? But I wouldn't be surprised if the Series X was six hundred, maybe even seven hundred dollars. The amount Oof. of tech in there is hardcore. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's but true. But
1: I'm hoping, I'm hoping the stuff doesn't go too out of hand. I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of gamers want some new hardware. Mm-hmm. And if you're a PC gamer, then whatever, you just get the Microsoft <laughs> stuff. Get Game Pass. Really, Microsoft future console is Game Pass because. You get everything for a monthly fee. You get new games. You get, like, you know, a lot of yeah. good services. So, November going to be a big one for Microsoft. Who knows when the PlayStation 5 comes out? I, I assume Sony, like, everyone's just waiting. This yeah. is a game of chicken. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, okay. They're saying November. Okay, we can say November. What's yeah. the price? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> They're waiting for that. So, right good luck, everybody. This is a very exciting time. Hopefully, I think for gamers, there's a lot to look forward to. But, man, Save up. It's going to be expensive, whatever it ends up being for either of these consoles. That's enough news. Let's get to some fun stuff. Sherlyn, what do you... First of all, I know you like to surprise me with things, but <laughs> what, what what is up with you? All what right, are you watching? All right, all right.
0: So, so when I'm... This week, these two weeks have been rough, and I have not had a lot of time to watch good stuff to, like, bring onto the <laughs> show for recommendations, so... Pardon that me. means you
1: ever have time to watch good stuff. But, well, okay. I did
0: watch a bunch of good stuff in the past few yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, and I've been watching a lot of like stuff that ended up being bad, <laughs> so I can't recommend it. <laughs> For example, have you heard of The Discovery on Netflix, uh, Def? I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen it. Yeah, is this uh, Jason Segel, I think? Uh, Rooney Mara, and they're in this like world where it's some kind of sci-fi, but it wasn't like that great. There was a very what, what is the
1: premise? premise? I remember this. Yeah, the like... premise
0: is that um, oh, I forget the actor's name, but this scientist has discovered and has proven without a doubt the existence of an after- of another plane of existence. Right. So right. either a parallel universe or an afterlife. So people start killing themselves on mass. Um yep. and because they think that there's a better place.
1: Really, the be... thing we want to see today, yeah,
0: yeah, really, totally. My timing couldn't be better. But anyway, <laughs> um, they are at four million suicides in the world. Jason Segel meets this girl in on a boat going to some island somewhere, and he she tries to kill herself and tries to save her or something. That's sort of the general premise, but mm-hmm. the science fiction premise of it. it was very interesting but I don't feel like they really explored it very well so yeah
1: I actually I saw this movie a couple of years ago too I I wanted to love it because yeah. it's by Charlie McDowell who he directed the one I love which mm. was a really really interesting like sci-fi premise drama romance from I think like 2014 that was a really cool concept and mm-hmm. I love that movie discovery didn't work out that well it just
0: didn't work out that well so that's not my recommendation I have two sure. quick shouts one <laughs> I was like, I like to try and bring like timely things okay. to this show so that I'm not picking up very stale old picks. So, but, <laughs> but like, leave this, your
1: stale picks at home. Please.
0: I know this thing I'm God. trying to talk about has been around for years. People have known of this show, but it only recently wrapped. So I'm like, okay, perfect time to bring it up. I just started watching, and this will be a surprise to you, Deaf, because I'm such oh, a boy. Marvel nerd. But uh-huh. I just started watching Agents of Shield.
1: Are you kidding me? I am kidding. Just I'm not. Because- I'm not kidding. <laughs> You pick like the time when it literally just it does, ended. Exactly. First start of all, this. I was shocked just seeing people still be talking about Agents of Shield today because I, I remember when the show premiered and it was such a disappointing mess of a TV show. I hear it got better, but that first season, that i okay, um, say what you think, but that first season is a goddamn waste of time because <laughs> they were basically like treading water until Civil War happened yeah. and like big twists happened in the Marvel universe, so they like just couldn't do anything for 15 episodes i what I'm, do you think
0: i'm having a hard time liking some of the characters i mean i think some of the characters are mm-hmm. very likable I, I like Na wen so uh Ming Na, i think so is good. her real name she, she i keep getting compared to her in terms of like physical appearance i'm just like all right cool i like that but <laughs> i should watch this show to get a better sense. and she kicks ass so i think she that's kicks awesome and
1: when the show started she was still like she's not exactly young like she's she is 40, she was 49
0: when the show started yes
1: And she was kicking ass in many ways, so Mm -hmm. I respect to the show for that. I love her so much, and the lead of the show, I like. Yeah.
0: So I just started, and yeah, season one's a little choppy, but like you said, I heard it gets better. I mean, if you want a good Marvel, like I missed the Marvel universe, obviously, with like phase. I guess (laughs) this is is what it is.
1: You are you are so desperate. You're like Marvel. More Marvel. Marvel, (laughs) and you're just like scraping at the bottom of the barrel. You found Agents of Shield, so okay, enjoy.
0: So yeah, but my re- finally, my real actual fresh recommendation, and I'm still not certain on this, is a peacock show called Brave New World. Dev, have you started watching it?
1: I have not because word has not been good about this so show. I, I was excited, re- but...
0: The reviews mm. haven't been good but there's only really two episodes so far so i'm trying to give it a chance now for me it's hard to really understand whether or not i like this show because it's so my remember i studied this book for school right right like, right it's so hard to extricate what you know from like the actual story that's unfolding in front of you on the show and but i like the visual interpretation i do like it was nothing like i imagined in school like when i was studying this i imagined <laughs> very drab like none of this like slick architecture that i showing. imagine like
1: the way the 1984 80s yes, movie exactly. looked exactly very very yeah, yeah. very stark and almost prehistoric yeah is good yeah
0: so so the visual I think the 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 visual effects and everything and the look of it is really nice the you know there's good actors in it I love Jessica Brown Finlay I love uh Hannah Brown Hannah John Common, and they're Mm -hmm. both from Black Mirror and they're both in this show. So I was like, okay, I'll check it out for them. Um, (laughs) And they're both great in it. So if you really want to, you know... You can extricate like your memories of school time, you know, reading Brave New World, the book, and want to see it play out in a show. I think this is a good way to check it out. It's got good effects, It's got good graphics. So
1: it's also like we are living through the dystopian landscape that a lot of these books predicted. So like, yeah. And I will say,
0: there's a bunch of like nudity and whatever. So if you're that's not your thing, just don't. But if it is your thing, I know you're gonna watch it. There's
1: nowhere else to find nudity on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: What what would you say I should watch, Dev?
1: Uh, A couple of things. I don't you probably don't care about Halo, but I think (laughs) there was one video that I saw last week that really cracked me up. And this was uh, Brian Gilbert over at Polygon, who he's a video producer there. He makes some funny things, but he basically created this 30 minute or so long video about reading every single Halo novel. And as somebody who has read like somebody <laughs> earlier, like the first couple of Halo books, I was like, okay, this is cool. This is interesting oh. because as a world, Halo has like a lot of like lore. There's a lot of stuff going on. Right. The games don't always really tap into that. So I was like, okay, wh- what is going on here? It, just seeing him go insane, like it drove him <laughs> insane, like learning all this Halo lore, not knowing where to put it. Oh my God. Um, it is a fun video. It's a fun thing to watch somebody's just mind crumble in front of you. So, hey, to me, that's fun. Because okay. I'm weird like that, yeah. Okay,
0: I'll check it out. I'll, isn't there like a Halo movie or something, or a few Halo movies or something?
1: Uh, I mean, there are people are working on it, but
0: oh, yeah, oh, that, okay. is, that is a
1: thing we've been waiting for, um, for a while.
0: Okay, okay,
1: but it's not, not, not quite happening. Oh. The other thing I want to mention, uh, talking about like you know timely picks that were depressing for the <laughs> pandemic, is a movie called She Dies Tomorrow, All right. by Amy Simitz. Uh, I I wonder, Sherilyn, like, I wonder if you'd be into this. Uh, I wonder. Because it's, it's a movie. It's a very low-budget kind of experimental sci-fi thing. But it's about a woman who gets this idea in her head that she is going to die tomorrow. But huh. like she is convinced of it. She is convinced of it. Wow. Nothing will, you know, take her away from it. So it's like somebody who's confronting her own mortality. But the idea, when she – it's like a virus. Mm-hmm. So when she talks to somebody else or somebody like her sister comes to see if she's okay –
0: They get the same Um, fear.
1: They get the same fear. Wow. It's like an instant existential unlock of like, oh man, I am going to die tomorrow. And it's people, this story like, you know, this thing happening to several people Mm. in a city um, and seeing how they respond to it and how they react to it. I found it really interesting. I also just reviewed this movie over at the slash film cast. So you could go check it out Mm -hmm. there. Um, But it's really interesting. It's like, you know, kind of cerebral uh, experimental sci-fi. It's not for everybody. But I found Mm -hmm. a lot to be to find fascinating there because it's very low budget. Like there's not not like big special effects or anything, but it does a lot with the premise. And as somebody who, hey, I'm pretty anxious. Like I've worked through anxiety in my life. Like, so this is like really confronting a lot of those things I've always feared. So to me, yeah, kind of kind of terrifying. There are some sequences in this I think are truly memorable. She Mm. dies tomorrow. Check it out. If you're into sort of like weird sci-fi.
0: Where would I watch it?
1: You could rent it or buy it okay. now on video on demand. So gotcha. iTunes, wherever.
0: Play Movies. Always shouting out that Play Movies. Um, yeah, you're no,
1: literally <laughs> the only person buying <laughs> anything on Play. I Movie. have
0: a lot of Google like, credit from answering surveys that Google asks me to <laughs> fill out, so I, I, I don't yeah. mind. Uh, no, it does look very interesting. It feels a little morbid, like you said. I am terrified of mortality as well, so I don't know if I'm going to necessarily watch that, but could be. It could be something.
1: It is kind of the way we're all feeling right now, but between this and like Spring Breakers, (laughs) it is really interesting to see, not Spring Breakers, uh, Palm Springs. It is really interesting to see people confronting their lives. But hey, by the way, Spring Breakers, another crazy good movie that nobody has seen. So yeah.
0: And that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elm. You can find Davindra online at...
1: At Davindra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at the slash filmcast at SlashFilm.com. Also, keep an eye on my Twitter. There may be something happening around Legend of Korra. Ooh.
0: Well, I don't have any surprises to leak on my Twitter, but if you want to tell me what Avengers content I should be digging into, you can hit me up at Sherlindo uh. on Twitter. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcastaddingadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes because that would be really helpful. And... Please subscribe on Anything That Gets Podcasts, including Spotify. I see a question in Chinese that I can quickly answer. Why is this thing so expensive? Why is it so